From the heart of the Midwest in Bloomington, Indiana, welcome to One More Cold Call, an Indiana University Maurer School of Law alumni podcast. Each week, over a casual cup of coffee, Dean Parrish meets with accomplished alumni from around the world and from all walks of life. Over a season of episodes, we hear from law school alumni who have unique stories to tell about the unfolding of their professional lives and the lessons they've learned along the way. We start each podcast off with a little bit of Indiana University Maurer School of Law trivia and history. Did you know the law school is believed to be the only law school in the United States with a partnership with the United States Army JAG Corps? With all the armed forces, the law school provides guaranteed scholarships for students coming through their FLEP, SIP, and other programs, and also scholarship for those on reserve. Each year, our graduates serve with distinction in the various JAG Corps. Now you know. Today, I get to speak with Jamal Allen Sowell. Jamal, who is a 2017 graduate of the law school and from 2018 to 2021 served most recently as the Florida Secretary of Commerce and CEO of Enterprise Florida Incorporated, the state of Florida's principal economic development organization. Prior to that, he served as the chief of staff for the Port of Tampa Bay, the largest port in Florida. He's a veteran of Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan, and before coming to law school, he was in the United States Marine Corps, where he enlisted as a private first class and a combat engineer, and was eventually commissioned, completing his time as a captain. At the law school, Jamal was a Pat Tillman Scholar, where he earned not only his JD, but a graduate certificate in constitutional design. Heavily involved with our Center for Constitutional Democracy, Jamal also served on the board and was the national vice chair of the National Black Law Students Association. He also worked for Congressman Todd Young and Sharad Hadin, a non-governmental organization in Israel. While in law school, he was appointed to the Indiana State Board of Health Facility Administrators by then Indiana Governor Mike Pence. Also, the Federalist Society selected him as an editor for the Harvard Journal of Law and Public Policy Symposium. Jamal has been very involved with the University of Florida, where he was elected as a student body president and later as a member of the UF Board of Trustees. He has been awarded the University of Florida's Outstanding Male Leadership Award, inducted into the, the Hall of Fame. He received the Outstanding Young Alumni Award, and he currently sits on the University of Florida Alumni Association Board of Directors. It's so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Press. I appreciate that. Well, hey, it's great to see you. Let's, hey, let's jump right in. You've been the CEO for Enterprise Florida, but you're leaving. Why? Can you tell our listeners what happened? In my job as the Florida Secretary of Commerce and the CEO of Enterprise Florida, it's been phenomenal. I started in, in December of 2018. And with that, we really went around the world telling why Florida was the best place for business. We would go to Massachusetts, to the Midwest, to the West Coast, even to Israel. And all of that was at a time when we did not realize that the world was going to change. In 2019, we would go ahead and make the sale. I would go with the governor to Chicago and New York and overseas and tell people why they should relocate or um, expand to Florida. And obviously, we had COVID happen, and that really uh, sped things up with companies coming to Florida, such as uh, Pfizer and Citigroup and Blackstone, just expanding. For us, that was a life-changing experience for me, and it was phenomenal. So real soon, I'll be um, heading to the Navy Reserves training that I have in Virginia. And with that, I think it's really uh, is a part of my desire to still to, to, to continue to serve like I did in the past. I've been in the Marine Corps prior to law school, and it was a phenomenal experience. And now I'm honored to still be able to serve in the Navy Reserves. 
Jamal, you, you know, you've had a fabulous career for somebody, you know, uh, skyrocketed since you graduated from law school. And you've always had that deep connection with the military. I, I believe you once told me that when you were young, you moved around until your father uh, settled in Florida. Can you describe a little more your military experience and how that's sort of how that's led you to this fabulous career? Yeah. So what happened was that um, I'm the youngest of all the kids. My dad graduated college in 1968, went to Vietnam, where he was an officer. And then after that, he did law school, where he was one of the first 10 Black law graduates at UF Law School. And from there, he then practiced law in Orlando. And from practicing law in Orlando, he then did that for about 10 years. I was born October 82 in Orlando. Then he got back in the Army in 83 and uh, going active duty. So that really allowed me to have the best of both worlds. We were from Florida, but then we left for Fort McPherson in Atlanta. Then he got stationed at Fort Belvoir in Virginia, then at the Pentagon. He retired when I was 11 years old and I came back to Florida. So I really didn't get a chance to see the world at a young age, but I saw some of it. But going back to Florida was amazing because I was able to reconnect with family and really uh, get back to my roots. My parents are sixth generation Floridians. They were born and raised in Florida. They met at Florida A&M University, which is the only public historically black college university in the state of Florida. And with that, that really pushed me to pursue the military because my grandfather was in World War II, my father was in Vietnam and my brother was in Iraq where he became 100% disabled. So I always knew that I would serve and I was honored to have the chance to do it right after I finished graduate school in Massachusetts. Well, well thanks for your service, Jamal. You know, we're talking about your family. I, I remember in law school, you telling me that your mother believes strongly in the power of education. And I think you were telling me earlier today that you once were interviewed about that. Well, what do you mean? How did, how did that play out in your life? And, and what did your mother mean by that? Well, their backgrounds, because they graduated high school in 1964, Florida as a state, the schools really hadn't done massive integration. So they never had the chance to go to integrated schools. So for them, the ultimate equalizer was education. My parents were deeply involved in it. My parents loved school. So when they had the chance to go to college and then graduate school, they really uh, pushed that upon us. So from day one, I knew I was going to go to college because that was constantly uh, driven into me, but not only to, not to help me, but to help the community, to help others that did not have that access, to help those who did not have a voice, whether they're family members or friends. They saw education as a mechanism to help others for the good and to impact the world in our own unique way. Yeah, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I've got to ask, what brought you to Indiana and Bloomington then, right? You're a sixth generation Floridian. You've got all these Florida connections. What got you out to Indiana? There was a few things. I had lived in, in every coast of the U.S. I lived on the West Coast, the Northeast, the Mid-Atlantic, the South. I even lived in Texas. But there was a fellow named Dr. Stephen Scott, who was the chair of the UF Board of Trustees, who went to IU for undergrad and IU for med school. And he planted that seed many, many years ago. But prior to that, my former pastor in San Diego, his brother was the first African-American on the IU Law Review named Rufus McKinney. So Rufus would always tell me about his time in IU, about how he loved it. And he even wrote a book about his time in IU. So those two things really set the stage. And then thirdly, my father's former uh, law partner named Florida Supreme Court Justice Jim Perry was best friends with Dean Frank Motley in law school at Columbia. So all of these people kept kind of telling me about IU and their connections there. So when that ball started rolling, that was really the best choice for me because IU had an amazing GI Bill program with the yellow ribbon 
program because they're a yellow ribbon school. Not all schools are yellow ribbon schools. So that means they go out of their way to help veterans with uh, scholarship opportunities. In addition, I use also one of the Pat Tillman partner universities. And for me, there was just a ultimate synergy when I expressed interest in going to law school, but also wanting to kind of leave Florida. For my background, I had worked at UF out of the Marine Corps, and I wanted to really have a different experience where I could be a student, not know anybody. And that was life-changing for me because I got to IU. I didn't know anybody. Nobody cared about what I did in Florida or in the military in terms of in terms of what I thought I uh, should be doing, but it was humbling. But that right there set me on a path that really pushed me to become better in every way possible. Yeah, you know, I'm proud that we're part of that Yellow Ribbon program, partly uh, selfishly, because we've just had amazing graduates that have come through the military. And uh, I think each year, you know, I mentioned at the start of the, the, the show that we have this partnership with the U.S. Army for their FLIP and SIP program. And it's just a great way to bring in students and make sure that they're supported. And uh, that's certainly uh, true with your case, although we, we don't get many Tillman scholars. Uh, you were unique that way. I don't know if you also know, we have a we have a pretty much a big pipeline, particularly from uh, Miami. So I don't know if you ever came across Judge Jose Rodriguez. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, everybody knows the judge. Um, but uh, he, he now runs an extra uh, summer program down in Miami where we get about 10 students a year that work in the mornings in his chambers in the court. And in the afternoon, they work with local law firms. And, and what a fabulous way to get Florida students up to IU, uh, keep their costs down. We're significantly lower than most of the Florida schools in tuition and then have them have a pathway back. And, uh, and then you mentioned Frank Motley, you know, the, the legend. Uh, he, I think there's two degrees of separation for most people. And Frank, he seems to know everybody. Yes, I, and I think that we had a major contingent of people from Florida in my class. Uh, a good friend of mine named Jeff Hout. He was class of 16. I was just at his 30th birthday party the other week. And we really definitely did very well with Florida. So I hope that pipeline continues of Florida students because every time I go to Naples and Sarasota and Tampa, people will see me in a Hoosier shirt and they'll say, go IU. And that's always exciting to see that because you have a lot of people from Indiana who may have summer homes or who may come to Florida after retirement. So I hope that pipeline continues. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Jeff. I was just uh, emailing with him this weekend. He's had a fabulous career in Naples and is really doing great work down there. He has, he has. And we, we randomly met my first year of law school because Jeff is an amazing photographer. So one day he said, hey, I do pictures. And we started talking and we realized that we were both from Florida. So with the uh, demographic diversity of IU, people from around the world, that really made a difference for me. Now, when I visit California, when I go to Chicago or Boston or New York, in my job, in my capacity, I have so many friends from around the world because of my time in IU. Yeah, that's great to hear. You know, this kind of lends to another question I was going to ask you. Are there particular memories of Bloomington or the law school that stand out uh, for you that uh, sort of you know left its mark on you? One at the law school, one memory, probably two. I was involved with the uh, CCD, the, the Center for Constitutional Democracy. So taking classes with David and Susan Williams was phenomenal because the intellectual debates, but also even Professor Kevin Brown. Him and I would debate so much, but he loved it. And some people, you know, that's just not their style. But because of that dialogue I had with Professor Brown, even though we may have disagreed, to me, it really made me sharper in the intellectual depth that I needed in my roles now and what I will do in the future. It makes you think outside the box and it makes you think in ways that you have may not have been challenged in the past. So having those professors who respect that 
to me is very critical to anybody's development. Yeah, no, the, the both the both David and Susan Williams do absolutely phenomenal work in the center, as you say, and it's it's really unique that program. And then, um, uh, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned Professor Brown. He he just held the annual uh, reception, alumni reception that he hosts each year at his house. And even with the pandemic, we had alumni from around the country coming back to spend the weekend. This was a couple of weeks, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, supporting yep, yep. our new students, just an absolute phenomenal program. But good to hear you were good to hear you were pushing him a little bit and making sure that he that he uh, that he, he kept you on your toes with his uh, his questions. I I think he's been doing that with, with. Did you have him for torts? Yes, I have him torts and also other classes too. Because he, the way that he shapes his arguments, it really makes you pull from every single education experience you've had, whether it's with um, religion, whether it's with politics, whether it's with world history, it really made me understand how to form a debate, how to I think in a way that can reach the masses. And really that's what I do today when I sell the state of Florida to those who may never think about coming to Florida, but I'm able to do that because of that experience in Bloomington. Yeah, so maybe you can go into that a little more, right? Your, your role as CEO of Enterprise Florida and you start off telling us a little bit about what you do how did you get that job? And, and uh, you know, that's, uh, that's an amazing position for somebody who's only graduated for a few years. Maybe you can tell our listeners how you got involved in it. Yes. So um, Enterprise Florida was the former Department of Commerce. That's why I have two titles as the Florida Secretary of Commerce and the CEO of Enterprise Florida. But before law school, I had a, had a career where I was an officer in the Marine Corps, as I said, worked in higher education as a special assistant to the president of the University of Florida. And then from there, I was the chief of staff to the Port of Tampa, which is the largest port in the state of Florida by acreage. So because of that, even though I graduated law school in 17, I was home on a regular. At IU, we have the fall breaks. So I would go to the fall breaks and see everybody, Thanksgiving breaks, see everybody, Christmas breaks, see everybody. And I really never lost that connection, even though I went to Israel for a summer, which I was able to uh, practice my Hebrew and walk around and say, which means I don't speak Hebrew. But I would always meet somebody from New York or the Florida who spoke English well. So I had an amazing experience there. And when I moved back to Florida in 2017, working at the port, having the chance to work with trade and commerce and import and export, that really got me plugged back in even more, even though I had been gone for that time. So for all students who want to go back to their home state, going back for the breaks, going back, still being uh, in touch with those who you knew prior or whatever stage you're, you're going to go to, that is really key. And because I had a long career prior, I just really got back into everything right when I moved back home in the summer of 2017. Yeah, that's a great story. Do, do you, you know, it's not a traditional trajectory, right? As you're coming to law school, you don't say, I'm going to get my law degree to become a secretary of commerce. Although I have to say, right, even our own Mickey Maurer did that uh, when, when uh, at one point. But do you use your law degree often in the work that you're doing? Yes, yes, all, all the time. Because of my involvement in what I did in law school with the CCD, uh, my time in Israel, and then the classes I took, all of that pushed me to think differently, detailed, very succinct in terms of writing and my thought process. And I really tied that to what I learned in college. My major in college was in religion. So I wanted, I wanted to be a pastor, but I took a different trajectory with, edu with education and in the military. But all of that, I was able to really tie to my time 
at law school because of the critical thinking part, because of having to stand to really read all night, then defend those same arguments and cases that you learned about in law school, that has made me successful in the realm because anything that is thrown at me, I can handle because of those same skills of being up till 3, 4 a.m. Studying, reading, debating. And I would have this uh, thing to where in law school, I really had to learn my own path to study. My buddy, Von Levon, we were studying my first year every single night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But when I realized that wasn't my style, I needed to take a day or two off to have a refreshed, uh, a refreshing time just to make sure that I came back even stronger. And with my friends, such as uh, Daniel Scheinfeld, who went to Cornell undergrad, and now he's in New York, we always would have these intellectual discussions about the case. And for me, discussing it was the way that I learned. And once I found that niche, I really started to excel. Yeah, you know, I ran into Levon just a few uh, few weeks ago. He's doing fabulous up at Ice Miller in Indianapolis. Yes, real, yes, real superstar really well. there. Real superstar. Hey, you know, you mentioned the you know the importance of going back to where you're from or where you want to practice law during the breaks. Um, do you have other advice for students that are just starting off in law school? Things that you wish you had known when you had started, or just just advice for students as they're starting their careers? Yes. So in my studies in college in religion, I had to take a class called Modern Jewish Thought. And we learned a scripture from the Talmud who says, who is a wise man? He who learneth from all men. So for everybody who is in school, who's listening to this, having the chance to learn from your peers, everybody who's gotten to Mauer School of Law is smart, they're ambitious, and they want to excel. So somebody in your class could be the next Secretary of Commerce of their home state in a year or two. There's no time limit when it comes to somebody who has a vision to do things for their community. So as you learn from wise women and men, as you learn from others around you, please ask questions to those alumni, to those back home who are the judges, who are the lawyers, who want to take time to mentor a young up-and-coming leader. So having the time to ask those questions on a regular, to me, that is really the key of going to the next level when it comes to you being plugged back in in your community, regardless of what you want to do. Everything may not always work out. I always say that um, every job I ever applied to, I never got, which means I'm, I'm a pretty bad interviewer. But every job I got, I never really applied because it was I was either referred or somebody told me about it. So having those relationships and learning from people who are wise is really the best thing that I could tell anybody. Well, before we started the podcast, you had mentioned you fairly recently got a letter from Justice Thomas that's sitting right on the back of your desk there. Can you talk a little bit about that? How do you know Justice Clarence Thomas and why is he writing you to you? So when I was a child, back in from 88 to 1993, I lived in an area in Alexandria, Virginia. It was called the Hayfield area. It's right by the Springfield Mall. And Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas, actually lived in that area. So my brother-in-law delivered a pizza to his house during his confirmation hearing. Never met him at the time, but I heard that story and I was so intrigued. So intrigued with that because my brother-in-law worked at Domino's. And years later in 2007, Justice Thomas had a book signing at Quantico, Virginia. I was in the Marine Corps at that time. And my sister and my niece came with me and I walked up to Justice Thomas and I said, hey, I'm Jamal Sowell. I'm in the Marine Corps as a second lieutenant. Years ago, we lived by you. And when I told him this story, he said, I remember that story. 
because that was a pivotal time in my life. So he signed my book. I went on my way. Years later, around 2011, 2012, he went to a football game at the University of Florida in Gainesville when I worked for the president of University of Florida. And he stopped me and said, you are Jamal Sowell. I said, how did you remember that? He said, because my son name is Jamal and my favorite author is Thomas Sowell. Some of my family does say Sowell because of where they're from in South Carolina and the Carolinas, uh, a few of them, but I say Sowell. And till that day, he always stayed in touch with letters and cards. And I think having that personal touch to me has taught me the need to start doing the same. If he can do it as busy as he is, for me, that really pushes me to think differently and do differently. So in law school, I spent um, a day in his office back in 2016. And obviously the uh, law school talked about it and everything with all my peers and they were just intrigued. But I think that really came from a genuine relationship by getting to know him. And he was very good at remembering people and remembering their stories, but also remembering what drives them. So he wrote me a card in August of 2021 that I have now on my desk. And I am thankful for his mentorship over the years. Well, that's, that's fabulous. What a great story. Tim, you start off by saying that you've been called up for more training and, and you're going to be ending what's really a long term as Secretary of Commerce and CEO there of, of Enterprise Florida. What's, what's in store for you? What's next? So next, I'll be doing my training. And essentially what that is, is that I love the idea of service because my father was a career army officer. My brother was in the career also um, as an army um, staff sergeant. So a few years ago, I got back in the Navy reserves. And for me, it was a way to continue to really just have a balance. I tend to get so involved in one job where that's the main focus 24 seven, but being in the reserves, though it's arduous and busy, it keeps me focused and also humbled. Because in the military, you can be one thing on the outside, but on the inside, you have order and the structure, and you make sure that you are the leader that you need your uh, women and men who serve under you to be. So for me, it was the ultimate connection to still serve my country at a time when we will never know when we'll be caught up again. But because I did it in the past, I would be honored and humbled again to do it in the future, but staying sharp, staying trained. And that even goes back to anything that you do, uh, staying humble because wherever you go, you really have to start those relationships over again. So we're, so whatever you may have done in college or in grad school, that doesn't matter when you go somewhere new because the people that you meet, that's gonna be the first time that they ever meet you. So I have to have that same mindset of not getting comfortable, pushing myself to become better because there's always room for improvement. Yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. Well, Jamel, our listeners won't know this, but it's actually fairly late on a Sunday evening. So I and I appreciate you're doing this because you're uh, sneaking us in with this interview just before you head off for training. So uh, talking about service, really appreciate your commitment to the law school. And and uh, frankly, it's been great having you on the on the podcast and great to be able to spend a little time with you before you go off and serve our country uh, yet again. So, uh, Jamal, from everybody here at the law school, we're proud of you. And uh, and thanks so much for spending some time with me this evening. Again, thanks so much. Uh, there's a quote that I always live by, by Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays. He was the mentor to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And Dr. Mays was the president of Morehouse College. And he said, I've only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it. 
but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give an account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. And I wanted to end with that because every single minute of the day, I am trying to focus on what has to be done while also having a balanced life with friends, family, and loved ones. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jamal. What a great quote to end with. Thanks so much for being on One More Call Call with us this evening. Take care. And thanks to our listeners for joining us too. Don't forget to follow us on social media at both at Austin Parish and at IU Mauer Law on Twitter and Facebook. And we hope you make plans to come back to Bloomington soon. Each year, over a thousand alumni come back to campus, judging moot court or mock trial, serving as mentors or helping our students in other ways. We hope you will too. And when you do, please reach out. Until the next time, this is one more cold call, an IU Mauer School of Law alumni podcast.